binoculars out and look at Carissa's sermon from last week, the, the second part of that, look into it a little further. Because um, I think there were some verses there that just needed more time and needed more unpacking. And so um, she recognized that as well. And so in our sermon um, prep, I was like, let's take that and go even further with it. So it talks about serving. Um, but she did a great job of, I think, starting out that conversation as we're like going through First Peter here, of looking at what does it mean to uh, live for God in this way that, um, that has this surrender to our, our like agendas, basically, to God. Um, and last week, she ended it with uh, communion, right? And so it's this idea of communion being this like very clear reminder and like very tangible reminder of what it means to literally just be open-handed and saying like, I want to be in full service of God. Like I want to surrender my life to you. Like I want to be all about this. And that's what like taking in the body of Christ and the blood of Christ is like, it's a reminder of that surrender and that love that he has for us and that we abide by that and we get to step into that. So what I want to do is take that even further, just like continue and unpack that a little bit. And so we're going to talk about service and serving and, um, and uh, yeah, it'll be good. So today is 7-11 and we are in passage, guess, 7-11. Wild. I know, it just blew your mind, right? Holy Spirit moment. But 7-11, you get free Slurpees today, right? So um, sticking with the passages, 7-11. So let's start out in verse 7. It's going to be on the screen. Yes, it is. Okay, I didn't forget that part. <laughs> We're good. Um, so I'm going to read through it, and then, um, yeah, we'll talk a little bit about HBD. Okay. Um, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. I like that right off the bat. He's like, you can be distracted so that you're not praying. And he's like, be alert, sober-minded, clear-minded so that you can pray because how many of you guys have been distracted and felt like you can't pray because you're just distracted with so many other things? Like, I know how that works. So uh, he goes on, he says, above all, so this is the most important thing, essentially, he says, love each other deeply. In some translations, it says fervently. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Uh, we're all talented in different ways. Um, and he says in verse 11, if you speak, you should do so as one who speaks the very words of God, right? And you're like, oh. so I speak on behalf of God? That's, that's pretty next level right there. Um, so so we've got some heavy verses here we're going to unpack. If you serve, you should do so with the strength God provides. So we don't do it on our own strength, we do it with God's strength. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Okay, really powerful chunk of scripture that I want to take some time to unpack. So first thing, HBD. I want to say turn and talk to somebody, but if you can just like share with somebody next to you. Where was the first time you heard HBD? And if you have no idea what that is, you can have a conversation about what that is. All right. Go for it. Find somebody. Talk about it. HBD. Out of the loop. Where did you hear about it? Okay. 
All right, so raise your hand if you know what HBD is. Okay. Happy birthday. The first time I saw that was on Facebook, so we're going old school. Um, and it was my birthday, and someone wrote HBD, and I'm like, huh? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah, have a bad day. It's a horrible day. I'm going to have a bad day. Thank you for wishing me that. Not even, like, writing it out. You just abbreviated it. Three letters, okay? So I began to think about that. I was like, what happened with social media that we got to the point where we say happy birthday to people in three letters, right? Like, yeah, who did this, okay? We, we have some ideas, probably. We don't need to, like, throw anybody under the bus, and we don't need to, like, point any fingers. But at some point, somebody was like, happy birthday is way too long to write. Let's drop HBD, right? Like, it's your birthday. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to give you three letters, and I hope you understand what that means, and I hope that that's super encouraging and that you feel like this is just a happy birthday. I didn't feel it. I, I, I don't know, like, I don't know about you. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've had somebody drop an HBD on your Facebook stream or an Instagram thread or something where you've said, it's my birthday, and they've said that. And you're like, yeah, all right. Good talk, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm feeling very special, uplifting. This is great. Um, if you've ever done that, I, I'm not trying to point any fingers and just don't blow your cover, don't raise your hand. But... Um, I want to contrast that. So that's scenario one on a birthday because um, somebody's birthday in here. I don't want to point them out. But um, my birthday's coming up, and I started thinking about this whole idea of, like, what does it mean to love in a way that shows people that you care? And I was like, HBD, I don't think, like, can we all agree that doesn't really doesn't do a whole lot. It's like if you have to drop, like, 50 happy birthdays to 50 different people on the same day, sure, that's great. But let me throw you scenario two, okay? So um, I'm turning 41 this year, which is crazy. But uh, two years ago, I made it to that point. Two years ago, um, Katie threw a party for me for my 39th birthday. And it was a great party. And, and I'm bringing this up not to brag on my wife, but to brag on my wife. But, um, or to draw any attention to me. But it's very contrasting to HBD. And what happened on my 39th birthday was my wife said, grab your trunks, take the kids, and go swimming with their cousins out in Vista at this park pool thing that we were used to going to all the time. And I was like, yeah, that sounds fun. I'll go. And um, so I was like, I'll just give you some time off. You know, you just hang out, do your thing. I go there with trunks on and the kids ready to go swim with their cousins at the pool. And all of a sudden, like half of you guys were there as well. And all my friends and horchata and a taco cart, which are like two of my favorite things. And I was like, this is heaven. This is awesome. I was like, what is going on right now? But it was basically her surprising me saying that I would know that something would happen on my 40th birthday. So she's like, let's do it on the 39th birthday. And I was like, brilliant. You're awesome. And so I was like, you really like took extra time. You went out of your way, like completely surprised. I've never in my life been surprised on my birthday like that because I don't really celebrate birthdays. I'm like, eh, let's just get together and eat some good food and maybe go surf or something, you know? Like I just don't care. Like our family never celebrated a lot growing up. And um, so to have that was like, it was really special. And I could tell that she'd put a lot of time into it. And the reason I share that is because there's a difference between HBD and a party, Right? Like, HBD says, like, it's almost like a thumbs up, like, good job. 
it's your birthday, you know, like, but then, like, somebody going out of their way and genuinely caring, um, she, I could tell that she threw that party not out of obligation, but out of love, right? And when we read this passage, what I see is HBD is kind of, like, out of obligation. Like, I feel like I should at least drop an HBD because it's your birthday and you need to recognize that I'm dropping a happy birthday to you on this day, um, but when someone does something where they go out of their way, it's something unique, you can tell that that's not out of obligation, that that's out of love. That's out of like caring for someone else, like going out of your way intentionally, like thinking about the things that they care about, like horchata, um, tacos, it's amazing, right? Hawaiian-shaped eyes, like brilliant. Like, it's all the things that I love um, and human beings that I love as well. And so it was like there, was a, there wasn't an obligation there. It was out of love. And what I see here as what Peter writes here, um, he writes out of serve, do these things that are going to cost you, that might be challenging, that might be difficult in your week, in your daily life, in your job, in relationships. Serve in a way that comes out of love and not obligation, right? Like come at this with, with, with a care that says, I care about this fellow human being more than just a three-letter, is it acronym? Did I get that right, HBD? Okay, cool, acronym. More than a three-letter acronym, right? Like, I want to actually, and I hope if any of you have done that, I'm not trying to, like, make fun of you or, like, make you feel guilty or bad for writing HBD at some point, okay? It's just an illustration um, that I think works. Um, Forgive me if it doesn't. Um, But I think there's, like, this, there's more than just, like, there has to be more than just a, like, well, yeah, I, I took care of that. It was like a checklist kind of thing, right? Like, we've all experienced where someone kind of like, you're part of their checklist, and they're like, yep, got you a gift, see you later, you know? Um, but genuinely care and genuinely want to invest in someone. And that's what this kind of serving, and he uses a few ways to describe that. So I thought we'd take some time and unpack a few of those and see where it comes from. So, and then we'll close with a little, like, how to live this out, kind of a tangible way to do it. So, um, the very first thing is he, he says in verse 8, he says, above all else, what does he say? Oh, yeah, that was the wrong one. I don't know where that one came from. Love each other deeply, he says. And, and I, I mentioned this, that where he says, love each other fervently in some passages. And so this idea of loving deeply, like caring so much about the person's life that you're you know the details, you know the situation, your heart breaks for their situation or um, longs to help them in whatever situation they're in. Um, That's the kind of love that he's inviting us into. It's like this deep, serious, like caring kind of love that many of us don't experience most of the time, right? Can we agree that most of the time what we experience is three-letter acronym, right? Many times. And it's it's kind of like, it's like woven into our culture. But what he says is we as a church, we as the body of Christ, not just GP here, but Christians globally are meant to be set apart in this way that we're going to love not out of obligation, but out of just a deep passion for our fellow human being, right? That's what he's inviting us into, like love deeply. And it really starts with us in this room as Christians. Like, how do we love one another, How do we care for one another in a way that just says, I value you so much more than anything else, um, than my own agenda, my own time, money, whatever it is. Um, And so 
and then he goes on and he says, love covers a multitude of sins. And I want to share something I don't want to share, but like I need to be transparent in front of you guys because I can't ask you to be transparent in my conversations with you if I'm not transparent. And so recently, and I'll just leave it at that because I don't know how, if anybody, if the story will ever get to this person, but, um, or if they'll listen to the podcast. Uh, but there's two people that recently I um, didn't, I'll just be honest, I didn't want to spend time with them, right? Um, two separate situations, phone calls that happened where I was like, oh, this is going to be draining. Like, I just don't want to engage in this right now. And it's no one in this room, so don't think, like, is, was it me? Um, but, uh, but it, like, my confession is just, like, I just didn't, I didn't want to engage in, like, the heaviness of what was happening. And, um, because of stories that I had heard about these two people preceding my conversation. So not even a conversation with them, but other people had told me things about these two people. And I was like, oh, this sounds draining. I don't even want to spend time with them. And so, like, that's just my human nature. That's like me. You can be like, okay, Nate's a jerk. He's a pastor, but he's a jerk. Um, but I'm just being honest with you. Um, but what happened was I was actually reading this passage a while back, and felt convicted about, like, what does it look like to love people? And when he says that love will cover over a multitude of sins, I felt convicted in that process, stepped into those conversations, stepped into those relationships and that time spent with those two people, and these divine conversations came out of it. Like, these conversations that I was like, this isn't me, like, God brought this about, and the person, like, the conversation was beautiful, the person's life was transformed, like, Stuff where I was like, Holy Spirit is in the middle of this. Like, I get chills thinking about it right now. And I was like, how big of a jerk and how selfish was I to say, I don't want to spend time with these two people because of something I've heard about somebody else, like things that they've done to other people and the way that they've treated them. And I was like, why would I want to spend time with somebody like that? And then I did it and God did something really amazing and covered over like my sins, right? Because my sin was like, I know what you've done, like, I know how you've treated people, you don't deserve my time kind of thing, right? If you just boil it down. And, um, and I began to, like, to think through that, and so, like, before you judge me, I'm sure we've all done this, right? Like, we've all been there where, like, maybe it's somebody who's draining of your time, money, resources, that you're, like, they're just, they take of me, right? We all know those people, and it's okay, like, to acknowledge that. There's some people that just are needy and that have needs and that we need to invest in, and um, maybe I, I know I was that person and I'm still that person at times, right? So like, we're going to talk about that when we're going to pack this a little bit when he, uh, of how Peter learned about this. So, um, but what I understood in that process and that little just illustration recently was that love, deeply loving people and doing things that sometimes you don't necessarily want to do, but you do out of love for God then begins to transform lives. My life and other people's lives included, right? That there's a shift that starts to happen when we don't do things necessarily, because I, did, I didn't do it out of obligation. I knew that that was like what God was calling me to do. Like I was like, this, I should be loving. And it shifted and it did something beautiful in that process. And so I share that only because I think that that's something that we all challenge with on a regular basis and a continual basis day-by-day um, -day -day basis with neighbors, relationships we have, um, people we work with, whatever it is, like, it's continually going to happen, right? Um, and so 
this passage gives us this healthy reminder of just how to be Christians in a world that can be challenging and how to be Christians when our heart is broken and twisted and does some evil things, right? Basically, like, we shouldn't have those kind of thoughts. Like, our, our lives should be moved towards holiness, towards pure thoughts, towards what is beautiful. Um, and so Peter goes on, and he says in verse 9, he says, offer hospitality without grumbling. Like, you shouldn't be complaining about this kind of hospitality. And I say, like, this is, like, something we're learning as individuals as well as a church. Like, we want to be a church that offers this kind of hospitality that's not, like, do I have to go to church again, and do I have to serve, and do I have to, like, whatever it is, like, give in some way of my life, um, that that same thing applies during the week. Do I have to go to my job? Do I have to do this? Whatever it is, do I have to hang out with this person? Do I have? No, you don't have to. But he says, do it without grumbling. Do these things out of a motivation that is bigger that we're going to talk about here in a second um, because we have to operate out of pure motives because that will begin to shift how we approach this. And he goes on and he says, use your gifts to serve others. And that's one thing that um, I don't have time to get into, but I would love for all of us to experience what it's like to discover the things that you're good at. And a real simple way of looking at, at that is to say, what are the things that you are passionate about that come easy to you, that you enjoy doing that maybe others don't enjoy, and people that you can connect with as a result of what you enjoy um, that is unique, and, and push into that. Um, we all have been gifted different skills, abilities, um, ways to communicate with people that I may not have, that you have, and so just recognizing that and finding it in your daily life and just stepping into that, being okay with the fact that you're not other people, that you're not um, maybe somebody that you look up to, that you are unique in the way that God's created you to speak into people's lives in a unique way that is special, that is powerful, and, um, and don't ever undermine that. And so he says, use your gifts to then serve others. And, um, and so I would say just like write down this question, is like what do I love to do? What do you love doing? And then step into that and begin to see how that blossoms into opportunities to serve, opportunities to be a blessing to other people. Um, and, and that's, I believe that that then becomes serving out of love and not obligation. And that's the same thing within church. Like, I wouldn't want anybody to serve um, in, a, in an area within grace and peace that you don't enjoy, right? Like, I would hope that you would find a place within grace and peace that you go like, I love this. This is what I'm built for. This is what I love doing. And step into that um, and step into it with confidence that this is, this is my piece of the puzzle and this is what I bring to the table and I'm just going to do that well with joy, with excitement. And, um, and it doesn't stop here. Like, this is just a microcosm of what the rest of our week should look like as we serve and... Um, and work out of these giftings. And then he goes on in verse 11. He says, if you speak, do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And that's convicting because we say a lot of words sometimes throughout the day that maybe don't have meaning. And going back to the HBD, um, I believe that God would call us to say more. I believe that God invites us to say more. That if we're saying happy birthday to somebody, that it would be something significant. And... And I believe social media waters that down a lot of times because we have so many people that maybe you're friends with or that we have acquaintances and stuff. And so we don't really know how to say happy birthday in a way that is deep and meaningful. Um, so maybe it's recognizing where you need to say it, how to say it, and be the one that says the words of God. 
that maybe you reach out and speak in a way that says, I care about you deeply. You are meaningful to me in my life and to others and continue being you. Like, rock on. That's awesome. Um, there's something powerful in that, right? And so when Peter writes these words, um, this seems impossible. This seems like something that's very difficult to do, to say, like, we're going to speak the very words of God. But when we simplify it and we say, what do you think God would want somebody to hear? What do you think God would say to somebody on their birthday? Does that shift then the, like, the difficulty of speaking the words of God? I think it does. And I think sometimes we overthink it and we're like, wow, that's, that's, that's a big goal to like try and, those are some big shoes to live into, right? Of like speaking the words of God. But if I start to think of like, how would God speak to somebody this afternoon? I would go, yeah, they'd probably love on them. They would ask them, what are their interests? What are they into? You know, like, I don't feel like God would, it wouldn't always be something like super high and lofty. It would be like, how are you today? I love you. <laughs> you know, like, let me hear about your life. Let me hear about what you're doing. And so I think sometimes we, we inflate it too much and we're like, I can't speak the words of God, but we can because we know the words of God that it's, I love you. You're valued in God's kingdom no matter what. And, and I think we all know how to, how to communicate that because we've had it experience, uh, communicated to us at some point. And Peter's had it communicated to him. So what I want to look at is we've been seeing Peter write this letter, but he didn't always know this kind of stuff. So Peter learned these things from being a disciple with Jesus and learning from Jesus. And so what I want to do is look at a conversation that Peter had with Jesus that helped shape his understanding of how he should view people, okay? Um, Peter knows about love because he learned it from Jesus. And here's a very tangible way. Oh, I got cut off. Sad day. I'm going to have to um, break the... Oh, I don't have it in the message. Oh, I do right here. Sorry. Um, so to set the stage for this conversation, Peter says, how many times should I forgive another human being? Like he's sitting with Jesus and asked him, like, how many times should I forgive him? And in that day, rabbis had a general rule of, like, you should forgive people three times because that's a lot of forgiving already. And so Peter goes, should I forgive people seven times? Because that was the number of completion. It would have been also, like, way bigger than the common cultural day of, of forgiveness at that time. And, um, and so this conversation starts with him and uh, with with him and Jesus, and Jesus responds with this parable, and there's all these parables before this that happened, but this one, Jesus responds with this story about a king who forgives a man, basically, if you translate it, it was like 10,000 talents, which would have been the equivalent of a half a million dollars-ish. I've done some research, and like there's different opinions about that. Some say it's like 150,000 days of work, something, just something astronomical, right? Um, and I think the most accurate was it was like $453,000, if you translate it today. Ton of money. So the king forgives this man of this, and this is where the story picks up, okay? So the man's been forgiven, and it goes, the servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him $10. So we go from like, this guy's been forgiven half a million dollars, he goes out, and there's another guy who owed him 10 bucks. 
He seized him by the throat and demanded pay up. Starts choking him out. Pay up right now, right? Contrasting to how this man was forgiven just prior to that. The poor wretch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put him in jail until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and brought a detailed report to the king. The king summoned the man and said, you evil servant, I forgave you an entire debt, $450,000, when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? So when Peter learns about forgiveness, this is the story that Jesus gives. A man who's been forgiven way much, right? I know that's not good English, but a lot goes and chokes out a guy who owes him 10 bucks. He doesn't understand that he's been forgiven much and doesn't pass on that kind of forgiveness, that kind of grace, that kind of love towards the next person. He forgot real quick, half a million dollars just vanished, like the debt was completely covered. He forgot so quickly and went and treated someone else poorly, right? I'm guilty of that. I think we're guilty of that. We forget how much we've been forgiven, how much grace we've been given by God, and we quickly go back to being unforgiving towards others. So that, sh- that story I shared about those two people, I'd heard stories about how they had wronged other people prior to me hanging out with them, and so I was like, I don't really want to spend time with them. That was me being unforgiving, because unforgiveness is recognizing um, maybe how someone is wronged and not forgiving them of that, even if it wasn't against me, or just letting that go and just saying, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to love them regardless of their wrongs, right? Unforgiveness says, you've wronged me, I'm never letting that go. Or you've wronged other people, and I'm never letting that go, right? So that kind of forgiveness that we've been given, we're called to extend to others. And Peter learned this firsthand, right? So when Peter is journeying with Jesus, he had been called into ministry over and over. There's actually three times where where Jesus says, follow me, come serve, come be a part of what this is. And then he'd learned stories like this that say, be the person who is forgiving towards others. Be that person that is relentlessly forgiving people around you and demonstrating that kind of love. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? That question is just so poignant, right? We should be fueled by how much God loves us. So when we say, like, I can't speak the words of God, there's no way I can be that kind of loving person. Like, that just seems so high and lofty and difficult. To that I say, sure, you can't. None of us can. But when we're fueled by the love of God and we understand that God's forgiven us of much, then we go, oh yeah, I guess I can. I can extend that kind of forgiveness. And that's why you can't give what you don't have. Until we understand that we've been forgiven and that everything I have is grace, that everything is a gift, the clothes on my back right now, the fact that I can stand here healthy somewhat, (laughs) um, that's grace. That's gift. Like, we've all been a gift, given a gift constantly, daily. Like, 
if you need to, just write them down every morning and just go, like, what are the things I need to be thankful for? And you'll start to go, oh, yeah, I do have a lot, right? And then we start to go, you know what? God's grace has been extended to me in so many beautiful ways. I need to extend that to others. I need, I need to live out of that. That then fuels us. That then fuels us to be the most generous people, to be the most loving people, to be the people that do these unimaginably difficult things of loving people that are difficult to love, of going out and extending that forgiveness to people that we sometimes think don't deserve that forgiveness. Um, That needs to fuel who we are, and that then allows us to then be people who deeply love, who love fervently, as he says in the beginning. Um, And so I want to show you guys a video because I think that sometimes this can be very, like, I don't know, ethereal, and, like, we just talk about it from, like, a 30,000-foot view, but, like, how do we live this out in our daily life? And I watched this little video that... Um, there's like a series of them where they just took like little vignettes of people's lives and how they wrestled with what does it mean to be a Christian and what does it mean to then live this out in a way that then uh, loves our community, right? And so what I want you to see in this video um, is how they wrestle with what does it mean to live out this forgiveness, this grace, this generosity. So check this out. The idea of going and meeting my neighbors, I don't put priority, I've never put priority on it. The biggest barrier would be time. At the end of the day, it feels like there's nothing left. I'm tapped out. Both me and my wife have full-time jobs and she's taking classes. Aside from that, I do part-time work for Uber, driving uh, people around. Then we have four kids, so there's band practice, there's after-school activities, there's birthday parties, the things that they want to do with their friends. Also, I help my mother run errands throughout the week. Then there's a whole other list of activities and friends that we support in our community. We are extremely busy. Hey, man. We've been challenged to see if we can find time in our busy schedule to meet our neighbors. What do you think we can do? I think it's a matter of just everybody's being outside. Well, during the week seems completely out of the question. Monday is just that all around hectic day. Tuesday, school. school. Wednesday. We usually take that day to fill in stuff that we're already too busy to do on Monday and Tuesday. On Thursday, I'm in school. In school. And Friday. It's family night. All right. Tonight, it would normally be a family night. You know, we would relax, you know, order pizza, but we're going to go outside with the family. If we see people in the neighborhood, we're going to introduce ourselves, try to get to know our neighbors. Grab the ball. Oh, yeah, football. Over here, right here. Good job. 
to not bother people, to not engage people. It seems as though the world has changed in such a way to where that's normal now. How's it going? How y'all doing? My name is Jay. I live right over there, 3504. Just come and introduce myself. I believe in a, in a God that asks us to go above and beyond what the normal person might. I think I owe it to reach out. The results might be shocking. Well, if you ever need anything, oh, same here. Y'all need something, just yeah. come and knock or something. Appreciate that. All right, David. I probably made it a big deal in my head, but in reality, it was really simple. Hey, how's it going? Mind if I come up? Oh. My name is Jay. Jay Lamar. Loving my neighbors really means, you know, treating the people around me the way I would want, you know, to be treated. Hey, so if you ever need some help or if you ever just want to hang out, you know, extend the invitation, you know, to come hang out. You know, it's Jay, you know what I'm saying? So, Even though we're very busy, it was worth it. I feel like I've actually established a bond with those guys that I didn't have before. So I know that sounds simple, and it's a simple story, but that's the point of it. Um, I think sometimes we, we overly complicate what it means to, to live out our faith. And, um, and I love watching how they wrestle through, like, our schedules are busy. My schedule is busy. I've had that same exact conversation with Katie before and the kids. Like, well, how do we begin to um, invest in others when we're like, our, our week's already filled, you know? Um, but I think sometimes what we need to do is take inventory, like they did, of our time, of our resources, our talents, our skills, and begin to go just, what, how can God use this? Um, and, and I hope that this isn't meant to be prescriptive. This isn't like, go do that. This is like, this is how that family decided to go live it out Friday night. It may not be Friday night for you. It may be at lunchtime at your work around lunch. I don't know. Um, it's different for every one of us. But I think what I love seeing there is just the, the intentionality of like, I just, I care. I care about the people around me. I want to invest. I, I see how much I've been forgiven, and I want to go and in, show others that they are forgiven, right? Um, fueled by God's love, we begin to step out and step into these places where we can love deeply and not out of obligation, not out of three-letter acronyms, um, but actually loving deeply, loving with purpose, with intentionality, because we know that we've been loved. And so this passage, I felt like just we needed, to, we needed to dig into it because I know I needed to dig into it. And, and I think it's a challenge that we need to continually be reminded of as a church, that it can be easy for us to get comfortable. It can be f- easy for us to justify my schedule's busy or whatever. But I think if we start to have this motivation that we are driven to love deeply, um, it'll transform our world. It transformed those two conversations that I had recently 
It's transformed neighborhoods, right? Like we see that. That's just a microcosm of many neighborhoods where people have stepped out and said, I'm just going to go meet my neighbors. I'm going to go talk to them. Um, All kinds of creative ways that God works when we just say, here I am. Use me. Like, I want to love people deeply. I want to love my church deeply. I want to love my community deeply. I want to love my coworkers, my family. Um, it's just saying, like, I, I've been extended love, and I want to extend that to others. And I may not do it perfectly, but I'm just going to go for it. I'm sure those conversations are awkward sometimes, right? But eventually you start to go, yeah, I'm building a connection. Now I know my neighbors. Now I know these people, and I can reach out a little bit more and a little further and have a little more meaningful conversation. And hopefully it ends up to the place where, um, where I was this week, where I was like, dang, God, sorry for doubting that you could use something uh, simple as coffee with this person, you know, um, or spearfishing with this person, or whatever it is, surfing with this person. There's been endless times where that's happened, and God just does something. So my encouragement is God loves you. Let's go out and begin to lo- love people that same way and find creative ways to do that and, and recognize that. So let me pray over us as we go into the rest of our afternoon. Lord, uh, we are grateful for the infinite ways that you've forgiven us. Remind us of that this morning so that we can go out and live into that in a way that, um, that demonstrates that to others. Uh, we just want to love people around us because I know there's a lot of people around us that are broken and, um, and, and in desperate need of a love that is bigger than what this world offers. And so help us to be agents in the midst of that process. Use us however you see fit and forgive us for the times where we feel like we don't have the time, um, the energy, or that someone doesn't deserve our time. Um, Lord, just help us to have the strength and to operate out of that deep understanding that we are deeply loved and we're called to love others deeply as well. So use us, use our talents, use our gifts, use our abilities, use our voice, um, everything about us to bring your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name. Amen. So rejoice in knowing that we never walk alone. Know the grace and peace of Christ walking beside us, guiding and protecting us. Let's share this comfort with one another and feel his presence each moment of every single day as we go into the rest of this week. Grace and peace. If you guys have questions about any of this stuff, feel free to reach out. We're gonna, we'll be talking about it in life group this week as well. So.